0: This is a recording of "What Think They the Jews?" Second Nephi twenty nine four, a note on the name Judah and anti-Semitism, by Matthew L. Bowen, originally published in Interpreter: A Journal of Mormon Scripture, volume twelve, two thousand fourteen, pages one eleven through one twenty five. Read by Hale Swift. This audio recording is copyrighted under a Creative Commons license and may be freely distributed, if it remains unchanged. The journal and its website are credited, and is for non-commercial use. A printed version of this and many other articles and resources on Mormon scripture can be found at mormoninterpreter.com. What think they the Jews? Second Nephi nine four. A note on the name Judah and anti-Semitism. Matthew L. Bowen The Hebrew Bible explains the meaning of the personal and tribal name Judah, from which the term Jews derives, in terms of praising and thinking. Uh, Y.D.Y. and Y.D.H. In other words, the Jews are those who are to be praised out of a feeling of gratitude. This has important implications for the Lord's words to Nephi regarding Gentile ingratitude and anti-Semitism. Quote, And what thank they the Jews for the Bible which they received from them? Second Nephi 29.4 Gentile Christian anti-Semitism like the concomitant doctrine of supersessionism, can be traced in part to widespread misunderstanding and misapplication of Paul's words regarding Jews and praise, Romans two twenty eight to 29 Moreover, the strongest scriptural warnings against anti-Semitism are to be found in the Book of Mormon, which also offers the reassurance that the Jews are still, quote, mine ancient covenant people, unquote, 2 Nephi 29, 4-5, and testifies... Of the Lord's love and special concern for them. Despite the horrors of World War II, the Holocaust, and the resultant deaths of tens of millions, including approximately six million Jews, the last several decades have seen a resurgence of virulent anti Semitism. The strongest scriptural warnings against anti Semitism come from the Book of Mormon. Since the Book of Mormon quote, was written for our day, cf. Mormon 835, I do not believe this to be a coincidence. The Book of Mormon not only manifests the Lord's love and special concern for the Jews, but also an awareness of the traditional meaning of the term Judah, praise, that is, one who is to be thanked, and the derived Gentilic designation Jews, as those who are to be praised or thanked. In this article, I wish to examine several passages in the Book of Mormon in which the connotation of Judah and Jews as those who are to be praised or thanked appears to be relevant, including a wordplay on Jews in 2 Nephi 29.4 and awareness of the meaning of this term in 2 Nephi 33.14 and 3 Nephi 29.8. To contextualize these passages, I will first examine a pair of Genesis texts which etiologize Judah and Jews in terms of the verb YDY or YDH, to praise, thank, or acknowledge. Next, I will examine Paul's wordplay on Jews in terms of praise, after which I will examine the relevant Book of Mormon passages. Thy brethren shall thank thee. Moshe Garciel observes that in the Hebrew Bible the term Judah, Hebrew yehuda is repeatedly quote, explained in terms of a derivation from the root y d h, yod dalet he, which in its causative stem means to offer praise out of a feeling of gratitude. Unquote. The aforementioned explanation for the name Judah occurs first in the account of the naming of Jacob's sons. Leah is said to have named her youngest son as follows. Quote, and she conceived again, and bare a son, and she said, Now will I praise the Lord, Odeh at Yahweh. Therefore she called his name Judah, Yehudah. The pun, which makes no attempt at scientific etymology, suggests the idea of Yaho plus Odeh, and left bearing, unquote. Genesis 29.35 This passage suggests that Leah named her son Judah, that is, praised out of a feeling of gratitude, unquote, because she wished to thank the Lord, Yahweh, for his giving her this particular son. Later, when Jacob, nearing death, pronounces his final blessing on his sons and their posterity, he blesses Judah and his descendants as follows, quote, Judah, Yehudah, Thou art he whom thy brethren shall praise, literally, thy brethren shall thank thee, y- Yodukah, thy hand, Yadikeh, shall be in the neck of thine enemies. Thy father's children shall bow down before thee, Genesis 49, 8. This passage suggests that Judah's descendants, the Jews, are those who are to be acknowledged or praised out of a feeling of gratitude, especially by those of the house of Israel, thy brethren, thy father's children, though the reason for that praise is not here specified. Paul's hidden pun on Judah and the roots of Gentile Christian anti-Semitism. The roots of Gentile Christian anti-Semitism extend at least as far back as the early church's understanding of Paul's writings. In at least three passages, Romans twenty-eight to 29 1 Corinthians seven nineteen, and Philippians 3, 2-3, Paul offers a bold and, quote, dramatic redefinition of what it means to be circumcised, unquote. In Romans 228 28-29, he states, For he is not a Jew, Iudaios, which is one outwardly, neither is that circumcision which is outward in the flesh. But he is a Jew, Iudaios, which is one inwardly. And circumcision is that of the heart, in the spirit, and not in the letter, whose praise, Apainos, is not of men, but of God. Unquote. Romans 228 28-29 N.T. Wright suggests that Paul's use of the word apainos in this text is a conscious pun on the name Judah and Jews, which would have been particularly evident to Jewish Christians, some of whom were still zealous of the law of Moses. The last two verses of the chapter, that is Romans 228 29 are the key, though their dense Greek almost defies translation, and they depend for their force on another pun, this time a hidden one. The Hebrew for praise is Yehuda, Judah, so that the very name Jew, Iudeos, in Greek, ought to mean praise. This highlights what Paul is saying. The very word Iudeos is now to be predicated of a different group, no longer defined ethnically by the possession of Torah, nor marked out by things which are entofanero, in the open or on the surface, rather Ho en to crypto iudeos, the Jew in secret, that is, the Jew is the Jew who is so in secret, and circumcision consists in the spirit rather than the letter. Such a person, Paul declares, with the Hebrew in mind, gains praise not from humans but from God. Mark D. Nanost writes that quote, Paul's point is not that Gentiles are the true Jews, or that the foreskinned are the true or real circumcision. Quite the opposite, the term Jew and circumcision are reserved for Israelites. Unquote. He suggests that Romans two twenty nine should be translated thus: quote, rather, the deepest character of the Jew, even the purpose of circumcision, is about the spirit, the intentions of the heart, at work through the way one lives who is so marked, not merely inscribed in flesh, as if a mark alone fully defined who one is. Unquote. Paul himself anticipates the potential misunderstanding and repercussions of the thoughts that he is articulating to his Roman audience. Nevertheless, Paul's rhetoric, intended for a blended community of Jewish and Gentile believers in Jesus as Messiah, I will use the admittedly anachronistic term Christians, has been used as a basis for supersessionism, or replacement theology, that is, the long-standing Gentile Christian belief that the Gentiles have replaced the Jews in God's plan. He further admonishes them that it is God's intent and in his plan to eventually save all Israel. Now if the fall of them be the riches of the world, and the diminishing of them the riches of the Gentiles, how much more their fullness? For I speak to you, Gentiles, inasmuch as I am the apostle of the Gentiles, I magnify mine office. If by any means I may provoke to emulation them which are my flesh, and might save some of them, For if the casting away of them be the reconciling of the world, what shall the receiving of them be but life from the dead? For if the first fruit be holy, the lump is also holy, and if the root be holy, so are the branches. And if some of the branches be broken off, and thou, being a wild olive tree, wert grafted in among them, and with them partakest of the root and fatness of the olive tree, boast not against the branches. But if thou boast... Thou bearest not the root, but the root thee. Thou wilt say, then, The branches were broken off, that I might be grafted in. Well, because of unbelief they were broken off, and thou standest by faith. Be not high-minded, but fear. For if God spared not the natural branches, take heed lest he also spare not thee. Behold, therefore, the goodness and severity of God on whom which fell severity, but toward thee goodness, if thou continue in his goodness. Otherwise thou also shalt be cut off. And they also, if they abide not still in unbelief, shall be grafted in. For God is able to graft them in again. For if thou wert cut out of the olive tree which is wild by nature, and wert grafted contrary to nature into a good olive tree, how much more shall these, which be the natural branches, be grafted into their own olive tree? For I would not, brethren, that ye should be ignorant of this mystery, Lest ye should be wise in your own conceits, that blindness in part is happened to Israel, until the fullness of the Gentiles be come in, and so all Israel shall be saved, as it is written, There shall come out of Zion the Deliverer, and shall turn away ungodliness from Jacob. Romans eleven twelve 12-26 Although Paul wishes to provoke his fellow Jews who do not believe in Jesus as the Messiah to jealousy, Romans eleven eleven, or to emulation, he is no supersessionist. To be sure, Paul's discussion in Romans nine through eleven presupposes that ultimately salvation is in and through Jesus Christ. But as Isaiah fifty two seven to fifty three twelve, CF Luke one sixty seven to seventy nine and two twenty five to thirty, and the Book of Mormon suggest, the paradigm of seeing the salvation of God in a person was embraced by Israelites within Israel well before the birth of Jesus. Like the prophets of old, Paul understands the mystery of how all Israel shall be saved, Romans 11.26 and Jacob 4.17-18, with the atonement of Jesus Christ gradually having its intended effects, Jacob C especially verses 75-76 and D.C. one hundred thirty eight fifty eight. 58 Through the fulfilling of God's covenant to Abraham and his descendants, Acts 3.26, 3 Nephi 20.26, 20, Paul, like Mormon, comprehends that, quote, the Lord worketh in many ways to the salvation of his people, unquote. Alma twenty four twenty seven, Or in the words of the wise woman of Tekoa, quote, Neither doth God respect any person, yet doth he devise means that his banished be not expelled from him, unquote. 2 Samuel 14, 14 CF, 1 Timothy 2, 4. Paul does not hate his fellow Jews or the law of Moses. In fact, Paul intends by faith in Jesus to quote establish the law unquote, Romans three hundred thirty one, just as Jesus fulfilled it, the law itself being an addition to, and thus a part of, the promise or covenant that the Lord made with Abraham. Ultimately the covenant that God has intended to offer all of the human family from the beginning DNC twenty two one and forty nine nine that is, the new and everlasting covenant, a covenant which has yet to be wholly fulfilled. In the end, it all belongs to, quote, the covenant of the Father, unquote. 3 Nephi 21.4, Moroni 10.33, or, quote, the shedding of the blood of Christ which is in the covenant of the Father unto the remission of your sins that ye become holy without spot, unquote. Moroni 10.33, see also Acts 3.26 and Third Nephi 20.25-26. Nevertheless, the very arguments that Paul anticipates and inveighs against in Romans 11 are those that Christians, sadly, have used for centuries in justifying persecution and mistreatment of the Jews. The Gentiles have, in fact, quote, boasted against the branches, unquote, that is, the natural branches, Romans 11.18, and in many instances continue to do so. Gentile Christians have frequently been high minded, have not feared, 11.20, and have been, quote, wise in their own conceits, unquote, 1125. The doctrine of supersessionism and its Gentile advocates are, quote, ignorant of the mystery, unquote, of how the Lord will ultimately save Israel. See also Jacob four fourteen to 6 4. They do not, quote, receive with meekness the engrafted word, unquote, James one twenty that is, scriptures that come almost entirely from the Jews, Romans 3.2, 2 Nephi 29, 4-6, C.F. Acts 7.38. What think they the Jews for the Bible which they receive from them? Like Paul, the Lord anticipated Gentile, including Gentile Christian, anti-Semitism. Speaking to Nephi sometime in the sixth century BCE, well in advance of Gentile Christianity and the doctrine of supersessionism, the Lord pointedly offered a reason for the descendants of Judah, the Jews, to be quote, praised out of a feeling of gratitude, unquote. and he indignantly noted that this is precisely what would not be done by the Gentiles. And because my words shall hiss forth, many of the Gentiles shall say, A Bible! A Bible! We have got a Bible, and there cannot be any more Bible! But thus saith the Lord, O fools! They shall have a Bible, and it shall proceed forth from the Jews, mine ancient covenant people. And what thank they the Jews, Yodu et Haiehunim, for the Bible which they received from them? Yea, what do the Gentiles mean? Do they remember the travails, and the labours, and the pains of the Jews, and their diligence unto me in bringing salvation unto the Gentiles? O ye Gentiles! Have ye remembered the Jews, mine ancient covenant people? Nay, but ye have cursed them and have hated them and have not sought to recover them. But behold, I will return all these things upon your own heads, for I, the Lord, have not forgotten my people. Thou fool that shall say a Bible, we have got a Bible, and we need no more Bible. Have ye obtained a Bible? Save it were by the Jews. Second Nephi 29:3-6. The Lord seems to be using the traditional association between Judah and. YdH, using a direct wordplay in the phrase quote, "What thank they?" Hebrew Yodu the Jews it Chayehudim. While we do not know if Nephi recorded this revelation in e- Egyptian or Hebrew using an Egyptian script, we can infer that it was probably spoken to Nephi in his native language, Hebrew. This wordplay stresses the point that the Jews are to be quote, praised out of a feeling of gratitude unquote, that is thanked. For their painstaking efforts to preserve the scriptures, instead of gratitude for the Jews' travails, labors, and pains, a triad, the Gentiles have ungratefully cursed, hated, and not sought to recover the Jews, another triad. The Lord twice calls the Jews, quote, mine ancient covenant people, unquote, even stating that they are the source of, quote, salvation, Hebrew, Yeshua. Unto the Gentiles, unquote, which may also be a deliberate wordplay on the name Jesus, Hebrew Yeshua. This anti-Semitism often overlooks the fact that Jesus was a Jew. Quote, Salvation is of the Jews, unquote, John four twenty two, cf. Romans three one two. As the Lord's words intimate, the Jews, in their travails, labors, pains, Second Nephi nine four, and suffering, are not wholly unlike Jesus, the suffering servant, the. Quote, man of sorrows unquote, isaiah fifty three three whose quote, travail of soul unquote, isaiah fifty three eleven brought salvation isaiah fifty two ten Yeshua to all mankind, respecting the words of the Jews, Nephi in the remarks that conclude his personal record second nephi thirty three reflects upon a lifetime of revelations, including the Lord's revelation to him in 2 Nephi 29 on the importance of, quote, the words of the Jews, unquote. And you that will not partake of the goodness of God, and respect the words of the Jews, and also my words, and the words which shall proceed forth out of the mouth of the Lamb of God, behold, I bid you an everlasting farewell, for these words shall condemn you at the last day. 2 Nephi 33.14 Note how Nephi invokes quote, the words of the Jews unquote, as one of three judgment witnesses in the final judgment, according to Deuteronomic requirement, or quote, two or three witnesses unquote, governing capital cases, Deuteronomy 17:6 and 19:15. The Bible, which the Jews have largely written and preserved, and for which the Lord said the Gentiles would fail to thank the Jews, Second Nephi 29:4, will stand as one of the scriptural witnesses by which all humankind will be judged. Every accountable individual will be judged according to his or her performance or non-performance of the principles contained in quote, the words of the Jews, unquote, the Bible, Nephi's words, and the words of his descendants, the Book of Mormon, and by quote, the words which shall proceed forth out of the mouth of the Lamb of God, unquote. Second Nephi thirty-three fourteen, which I suppose includes all of the revelation according to which the Lord expects us to live. Deuteronomy eight three Matthew four four Luke four four Moroni seven twenty five D and C eighty four forty four and eighty eight eleven. When writing the epilogue to Jesus' ministry among the Nephites, Mormon reflects on the Lord's much earlier words to his ancestor Nephi and the latter's final words. Quote, yea, and ye need not any longer hiss, nor spurn, nor make game of the Jews, nor any of the remnant of the house of Israel, for behold, the Lord remembereth his covenant unto them and he will do unto them according to that which he hath sworn. 3 Nephi 29.8 Mormon was expressly concerned that Gentile ingratitude toward the Jews would extend beyond not remembering them, that is, cursing, hating, and not seeking to recover them, to other virulent forms of anti-Semitism, that is, hissing, spurning, and making game of the Jews, another triad. All of these actions are consciously antonymic to thanking the Jews, Second 2 Nephi 29.4, and respecting their words, Second Nephi 33.14. Unfortunately, historic expressions of Gentile Christian supersessionism and anti-Semitism in general have been manifest in even worse forms than the kinds of ingratitude that Mormon enumerates. Gratitude, praising the Lord with sacrifices of praise the prophet jeremiah foresaw a time of restoration for judah that would follow much tribulation a time when they would be able to praise or thank the lord under much more favorable circumstances thus saith the lord again there shall be heard in this place which ye say shall be desolate without man and without beasts even in the city of judah Yehudah, and in the streets of jerusalem that are desolate without man and without inhabitants and without beasts the voice of joy, and the voice of gladness. The voice of the bridegroom, and the voice of the bride. The voice of them that shall say praise, quote, give thanks to, unquote, hodu, the Lord of hosts. For the Lord is good, for his mercy endureth forever. And of them that shall bring the sacrifice of praise, toda, thank offering, into the house of the Lord. For I will cause to return the captivity of the land, as at the first saith the Lord. Jeremiah thirty three ten 10-11, C.F. 1st Nephi, 15 One could argue that this prophecy, which plays on the name Judah, remains to be fulfilled. Everything we do in the restored gospel is done to the end that, quote, the sons of Levi may offer unto the Lord an offering in righteousness, unquote. If Jesus' ministry in 3rd Nephi is a type and shadow of, quote, good things to come, unquote, for the house of Israel, Judah's brethren will yet, quote, praise Yoduka. Unquote. Him quote, shall bow down istakhau before unquote, the line of the tribe of Judah, Genesis forty nine eight, Revelation five five. Just as the Nephites and Lamanites of Bountiful did, Third Nephi eleven and seventeen nine through ten. Conclusion: Seeing that our Bible, both Old and New Testaments, was written mostly by Jews, it is truly quote, the book that proceeded forth from the mouth of a Jew. Unquote. See First Nephi 13.23-24 through 24 and 38 and 14.23. For the composition and preservation of this book, which is, quote, of great worth unto the Gentiles, unquote, 1 Nephi 13.23, as well as to the house of Israel, we all owe a great debt of acknowledgement and thanks, both to the Jews and to the God of Israel. For Latter-day Saints in particular, anti-Semitism and the doctrine of supersessionism should be out of the question, in the Lord's words, the Jews are ever, quote, mine ancient covenant people, unquote. Second Nephi 29.4, quote, for I, the Lord, have not forgotten my people, unquote. 29.5, quote, for behold, the Lord remembereth his covenant unto them, the Jews in all the house of Israel, and he will do unto them according to that which he hath sworn, unquote. Third Nephi 29.8, All of this suggests that we are accountable for not only our actions but our attitudes toward the Jews and the scriptures that we have through their travails, labors, pains, and diligence unto the Lord. 2 Nephi 29.4 We thus do well to remember and thank them. 29.4 This article is dedicated with love and gratitude to Judith Simon of New York City for the blessing that she has been and continues to be in the lives of the author and his family. Additional thanks go to Koalina Mills. Matthew L. Bowen was raised in Orem, Utah, and graduated from Brigham Young University. He holds a Ph.D. in Biblical Studies from the Catholic University of America in Washington, D.C., and is currently an Assistant Professor in Religious Education at Brigham Young University, Hawaii. This has been a recording of What Thank They the Jews, 2 Nephi four. a note on the name Judah, and Anti-Semitism by Matthew L. Bowen, originally published in Interpreter, a Journal of Mormon Scripture, volume 12, 2014, pages 111 through 125, read by Hale Swift. A printed version of this and many other articles and resources on Mormon Scripture can be found at mormoninterpreter.com. The reader wishes to state that he alone is accountable for the pronunciations in this recording.